Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Go to Hebrews 11, our study tonight in our last day's survival guide. What to do when things try to draw you away. What do you do when things try to draw you away? From multiple aspects of what you're to walk out as a Christian, there's things that will try to draw you away from that. Try to draw you away from your walk with God. Draw you away from the Word of God. Draw you away from prayer with God. Draw you away from your church, your pastor, godly leadership congregation that you're to be a part of, on and on I could go. And I guarantee it, as long as you're on the planet, stuff's going to try to draw you away. Satan's never going to stop trying to entice you and pull you away from what God has for your life. You need to be alerted to that, be aware of that, know that, and therefore be protected against those very temptations of which he would try to work in your life. We're going to see an example again of Moses here in just a moment in uh, Hebrews chapter 11. We've looked at it a couple other times in some of this series, but we're going to touch on it a little more in detail, as well as some other verses we've looked at as well. Every time we can get a new nugget, glean a little more, gain more understanding. The scriptures are unending and unexhaustible in helping us to gain insight and revelation from the Word. Number one on your notes, what must we do? We must watch out. Underline that phrase. We must what? Underline it. Watch out. If you're watching out for something, what does that mean? You're paying attention. Sadly, I'm watching a lot of believers in this last day that aren't paying attention. They're not paying attention. They're just going through life. Just kind of seeing how things come. Whatever happens, happens. What will be, will be. We'll see how things turn out tomorrow. Let me help you. That's not how you're supposed to live your life. You were born again on purpose by God to live for a purpose with purpose. Say that again. You were born again by God on purpose to live God for a purpose on purpose. So you got a purpose to walk out what God has for your life. And that just simply means you got to watch. Amen? So you must watch out in this case for what? The draw of worldly pleasure. The draw of worldly pleasures. They're going to they're gonna try to pull you away. They're going to try to pull you away from what is significant for your life as a child of God. Because Satan is never ending... And, and truly constantly, uh, you know, working at trying to do this in our life. Notice in Hebrews chapter 11, this happened in the life of Moses. Hebrews eleven twenty four. 24. I mean, oh, God had a call on his life. God had a purpose for him, right, to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt back in his day. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, he refused. Underline that. See, we've looked at this verse before, but we haven't emphasized everything in them. He refused. What do you got to do? Refuse. Notice he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Was he Pharaoh's daughter? No. No, he was not. Of course, he was, you know, by his own mom put in the river to be delivered because they were killing all the firstborn uh, boys of that day. She, you know, uh, Pharaoh's daughter picks her up, saves his life supernaturally by the hand of God. So he could have lived 
recognized in the sense of the, all of the, of the uh, area of Egypt, he could have lived as Pharaoh's grandson and, and his uh, daughter's son, but he wasn't. So he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Realize as Pharaoh's grandson, his daughter's son, he'd have had everything he ever needed. He'd have never lacked nothing in the natural. You listening? But he chose not to do that. I said he chose not to do that. He chose... Rather, 25, again, to suffer affliction with the people of God, those who he was sent to deliver. 20, uh, 26, notice this. Esteeming the reproach of Christ. Esteeming is like evaluating, you know, recognize an evaluation of something. The reproach of Christ. What's the reproach of Christ? The reproach of Christ is to be obviously uh, spoken of wrongly, to be put down. Jesus was, to not be spoken well of, you know. And the context of being Pharaoh's grandson and Pharaoh's daughter's son, he'd have been highly you know, acknowledged by most people. But he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater. Greater. He esteemed it greater than the riches of that of the treasures of Egypt because he looked to the reward. What reward? Obedience to God brings great reward. Now, what did it in his life bring more reward than he would have had in the context with gold and all that in the natural? No. But he received a far greater reward being acknowledged by God and obedience to God for doing what God called him to do. And therefore, guess what he got to do? He got to know that he was going to live with God for all eternity. Far better than the passing pleasures of, of, uh, of uh, temporary sin. 27, by faith. What did he do? By faith he forsook. Underline that phrase. We didn't look at that real close before. By faith he forsook. How did he forsake Egypt and all this that was given to him in the natural? By faith. By faith. A lot of people don't think about that. Again, this is the, this is the Hall of Faith chapter, Hebrews 11. So what's faith here in relationship to what it's talking about? By faith he forsook Egypt. He obeyed God. God didn't tell him he wanted him to live as an Egyptian and under Pharaoh's rule. He said, I want you to come and deliver my people. So by faith, what did he do? What does he mean by faith? He obeyed. He did what God told him. He did what God told him and he forsook Egypt. Not what? Not fearing the wrath of the king because he endured as seeing him. Notice the him is capitalized. As seeing him who is invisible. Talking about who there? Jesus. Jesus Christ. On the Mount of Transfiguration, who showed up when Jesus was here on the Mount of Transfiguration? Who showed up in the midst of, a, of that time of transfiguration with Jesus? Moses did. Moses showed up on that mountain with him. So here he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, because he endured seeing him, Jesus, who is invisible. 28, by faith he also did what? Kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Representing what Jesus would do when his blood was shed for us to do what? To be able to see sin pass over our life. 29, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. Whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were what? They were drowned. So the end of the Egyptians was not good. The end of Moses' life would not have been good to hold on to the passing pleasures of sin and riches of the world. But he chose not to. He chose to obey God and things went far better for him. 
I said things went far better for him. Why? He didn't give in to those temptations. He chose to do what? He chose to obey God. So in essence, for you watching out for the draw of worldly pleasure, what is worldly pleasure according to these verses in Hebrews 11? What is one of the primary focuses, the primary things worldly pleasures are going to try to get you to do? Get you out of the will of God. They're going to try to get you out of the will of God. Out of what God says He has for your life. Out of, what, out of what God wants you to live out. Out of what God wants you to be doing with your life. Does God want you in the house of God? Yes, He does. Is that part of the will of God? Yes, it is. Guess who wants you out of the will of God? Satan does. Guess who keeps people from church? Satan does. Guess who constantly works with worldly pleasures to draw people out? Draw people away from the things of God and out of the will of God? Satan does. We don't want to fall for worldly pleasures to draw us out of the will of God. Can I get a better amen? 1A, Moses refused, therefore, to be called Pharaoh's grandson. 1B, he chose rather to suffer the reproach of being one of God's people. And obviously the end result was what? Good. I said it was good. They were being totally enslaved to Pharaoh at the time and absolutely being, you know, taken advantage of. But guess what? The end result was liberty. The end result was freedom from Egypt and from the rule of Pharaoh. See, a lot of times we don't see that. Obedience to God to you might look difficult sometimes. But you know what? The end result is always what? Liberation. The end result is always better. One scene, notice what he did. He denied enjoying the pleasure of sin for a season. So you got to realize, is it a sin to have money? No, but it's a, it's a sin for money to have you. Is it a sin for you to have <clears throat> enjoyable things in your life? You know, uh, aspects of things that you own that you enjoy? No, but it's wrong for them to have you. If they start pulling you out of the will of God, now you're in trouble. Because now it's become your God. You're going to walk in idolatry. You're going to make that a God out of your, out of your life. 1D, notice what else he did. He esteemed, again, the reproach of Christ, greater riches, <clears throat> greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. It's a greater, rich, uh, greater form of riches, excuse me, in my life to be associated with Jesus. I have a question. Did Jesus read the Bible? Yeah, from the time he was a little boy, he studied the Scriptures. He sat with the Pharisees of his day at the age of 12 asking them questions. He knew the Bible. He knew the Old Testament. He knew the Scriptures. Is it good for you to read the Bible? Absolutely. Did he go to God's house? Did he ever miss that we know of going to God's house on the Sabbath day? Not that we know of, but I'm just telling you, as his custom was on the Sabbath day, he was in God's house. Right? Did he pray and talk to the Father? Yeah, did he allow things to draw him away from that? No, he didn't. So see, to be able to be in the same position of Jesus and to be reproached by others for that. Man, you're always in church. Yep, going to keep going even more. Man, you're always in the Bible. Yep, going to get, it even, get into it even more. Man, you're always praying. Yep, going to talk to God even more. I'm not going to do it less. Yeah, you're always giving to that Christian stuff. Yep, going to give even more. Praise God. Why? Because that's what Jesus would do. Could I get a better amen? Well, you must be one of those holy rollers. Yeah. You must be one of those tongue talkers. Got me again. You must be one of those, you know, word of faith people. That'd be me. Yeah, that'd be me. Praise God. Because that's what Jesus was. You want to call, call somebody a holy roller? Jesus was. You want to call somebody. Now, he didn't have talking tongues, but thank God he gave us that gift through the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. 1E. Notice this. By faith, Moses did what also? He forsook Egypt. How are you going to forsake the world? Listen to me. How are you going to forsake the world? Same way that 
Moses did. How are you going to do it? By faith. You have to put your faith in God. Now, if I put my faith in God, that means what? I choose God over what the world says I'm to do. I choose God over what the aspects of my fleshly nature wants to do. Being tempted into doing things I shouldn't do. One F, he also did what? He endured how? Looking unto. He saw him who was invisible. How? I don't know. Just says he did. Said he somehow had a picture of him in his mind of obviously obeying Jesus. Hallelujah. However God chose to show him that. But he endured how? He endured by looking unto Jesus. How are you going to endure? How are you going to endure not giving in to temptations to draw you away? You're going to keep. Remember my message a uh, uh, week ago Sunday? You're going to keep your focus on Jesus. You're going to keep your focus on Jesus. Any amens on that? James chapter 1. Go forward over here to the book of James for just a moment. Book of James, book of James, book of James. Say, praise the Lord. Aren't you glad for the Bible? What a blessed people we are to have all of these scriptures. James chapter 1. Number 2 on your notes, you must guard yourself against the draw of temptations that work on, underline it, your own lusts. You have lusts that are not good. You have lust. Now, lust, lust just means desires. People think lust just always has to do with like sexual sin. No. No, there's all kinds of desires that are not good for you. They're called fleshly desires. There's also desires of the heart. That's good. That's your spirit, man. But we're talking about desires of the fleshly nature. The Bible says there's nothing good that dwells in your flesh. So I should believe the Bible. What do you think? And I should realize that if I have a fleshy desire, is it wrong, Pastor, to have a, a hunger desire to want to eat? No, but it's wrong to allow it to rule you. It's wrong to allow it to take it, have it, allow it to take its course to put you in a position where you're gorging yourself with food all the time and your life is all about what I get to eat all day long. Now, I'm going to tell you, that's not good for you. I said it's not good for you. So there's some of these desires that are not wrong of themselves, but you have to keep them in balance to what Scripture teaches and what's good for you. James chapter 1, are you there? Verse 12, blessed is the man. Underline those three words. Ladies, it didn't disclude you there. Exclude you, excuse me. The word man there is just talking about human. Blessed is the man, we would say person today, who what? Who what? Now, it doesn't mean they gave in to it. They were tempted, but they endured it, meaning what? They didn't give in. Amen. How many want to be blessed? Yes. Guess what you're going to have to do? Endure. You're going to have to learn to endure temptations. Right. Blessed is the man who endures temptations. Notice, for when he has been approved. So when being approved means what? I didn't give in. Yeah. I did what was right in the sight of God. Notice this. He will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. 13, let no one say... Let no one say when he's tempted, I am tempted by God. Why? For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. So we know God is not the tempter. People who say, well, my God doesn't care if I go to church or not. You're lying. You don't realize it maybe, but you're lying. My God doesn't care whether I read the Bible or not. You're lying. That's not, well, in the sense, let me back up. Let me, let me rephrase this. The God of the Bible doesn't say that. Maybe your God does. You think you're talking about the God of the Bible, but it ain't the same God. Because the God of the Bible said you're to live in this book. The God of the Bible said if you meditate on it, you'll, you'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. The God of the Bible said if you do these things that Scripture teaches, you'll have a blessed life. 
Can I get a better amen? amen. When you say, my God, you could be correct, obviously, in the sense because you've made a God to fit you. But you, we know you, you're talking, you think of the God of the Bible. But it ain't the same God. So again, let no one say when I'm tempted, I'm tempted by God. Why? God doesn't tempt anybody by evil. 14, each one is tempted. Notice this. Underline it. When he's drawn away by his own desires. When he's what? Drawn away. What are we talking about tonight? What to do when things try to what? Draw you away. What do we do? Each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. You know what enticed means? The phrase enticed here is like, anybody here like to fish or go fishing? You know, the, the word enticed here is like a, uh, you know, a bass or any kind of fish enticed to chase after, you know, a little lure you're out there throwing out there trying to get it to, you know, grab a hold of. Well, that's what the devil does. He throws a little bait out there trying to get you to grab a hold of it. Right. If you grab a hold of it, now he's got you hooked. He's got you on the line. Right. Not good. So we are being enticed with what? Our own desires. Our own desires. Notice this, 15, then when desire has conceived, it gives what? Birth to sin. So if we take the enticement, we take the bait. If we take the bait and we respond to it, then guess what? It is now conceived in our heart, in our inner man, and then it gives birth to what? It gives birth to sin. Not your spirit, man, but in your soul. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth what? Death of some type. Spiritual death, it could lead to that if it led to blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which you would obviously willingly, knowingly deny Jesus as your Savior. But it, just think of it this way. If you're enticed in a marriage to commit adultery, guess what it could do? Kill your marriage. If you're enticed to steal money from your boss at work, guess what it could do? Kill your job. See, death is a result. Of sin, if you allow it in your life and it continues to go on, it's going to do some form of harm, of death or killing something off in your life. 16, do not be deceived. What? Come on, tell me out loud. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. So God's telling you, don't be deceived. Meaning what? So don't allow that enticement to obviously get to the point where you take the bait and then you go after it. Stay in faith. Stay in faith. How did Moses overcome? He didn't give in to the enticement. He chose not to take the bait. He chose to obey God. Say, I choose. choose. Come on, like you mean it. I choose to not take the bait. I'll obey my God. You you know what your flesh does, you know, after you've worked all day on a Wednesday, you don't want to go to church. You know what your flesh does after you've worked all week long through Saturday on Sunday, too tired, don't want to go to church. I mean, there's a lot of times I've been tired not wanting to go to church. There's a lot of times I've been tired not wanting to read my Bible. Tired, not wanting to take time to pray. But isn't it interesting if you get in the presence of God, all of a sudden refreshing comes and strength comes. You know why? Because your God is a consuming fire and he is the strength of your life. Number 2A, blessed is the man that endures temptations. You want to be blessed, you have to endure, overcome. You have to overcome those temptations. 2B, never blame God for he doesn't tempt anybody. We never blame God for temptations of any kind because he doesn't what? He doesn't uh, tempt anybody. We don't blame God for them. To see, every man is tempted when he's drawn away. Say drawn away. Underline that phrase, drawn away. That's the purpose. What's the purpose of every temptation that comes from the devil? Draw you away. You now know. What is the purpose, Pastor, of of Satan tempted me to to, uh, uh, mess with alcohol, drugs, wrong friends, 
wrong fellowship, wrong words, wrong enjoyment, wrong company, wrong... What's the, what's the goal? Trying to draw you away. Trying to draw you away from God, draw you closer to Him. He wants you to be His disciple. I said the devil wants you to be His disciple. <clears throat> Watch this, 2C1, what's he trying to draw me away from? Draw me away from the Word of God. The Word of God is life to those who find it and health to all their flesh. Oh, oh, the Word of God is what? Life to those who find it. Zoe, in the New Testament, in the context of the Old Testament, it's a word that references the same thing or the God kind of life. The Word of God is life to those who find it, the God kind of life, and even health to all their flesh. Oh, no wonder the devil wants to draw you away from the Bible. He don't want you to have life as God has it. He don't want you to have health in your flesh. But God does. I said God does. Notice C2. Also, what's he trying to draw you away from? Church leadership. Because one of the most significant things, I'll tell you what, man, I'm so glad I have a pastor like this. He got back on it during Helps Conference. I need to teach on this. So I've never directly taught on it. I like right now, I've indirectly mentioned it, but I really need to teach on it. Do you know that there's coming a day that two judgments will happen? <clears throat> one's the judgment seat of Christ. Say, I'm going there. Like you mean it. You want to go to that one. There's two. You're going to go to one or two. <clears throat> Everybody is going to one of these two judgments. The Bible's black and white about it. Nobody skips out. Some think they, they're going to, but that's not what the Bible said. <clears throat> You're going to go to one or the other. Judgment seat of Christ, all believers. Sinners, white throne judgment. Say, I ain't going to that one. Poke your neighbor. Give, give an elbow. Say, I ain't going to that one. Not going to that one. <laughs> What's the judgment seat of Christ? You ready? It is to be judged for everything you've done since you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior. Thus saith the Bible. Don't beat yourself up now. We're not talking about whether you live perfect, everything just right or not. No, it's talking about did you take your salvation serious? Did you actually take your walk with God serious? That you truly wanted to know Jesus. Here's why. So I could become a true Christian, Christ follower, walk in his footsteps. To do that, I got to have leadership in my life. Now, this this why you bring up the judgment seat of Christ, Pastor. Listen to this. You ready? The book of Hebrews says that you and I are submit to and obey those who have the rule over us. Talking about godly leaders. You're to submit to and obey those who have the rule over you. Listen, and you're supposed to actually submit to them in a way that it would not be difficult for them because they watch out for your souls. Listen, you ready? And they're going to give an account. Watch this. Watch this. I want you to see this. This is powerful. I hope you get this. What I just quoted you was a Hebrew uh, New Testament verse. And I want you to get this. Very important. I want you to get this. Merrick, stand up. You're going to help me preach for a minute. Okay? Stand up. I know Merrick's going to the judgment seat of Christ. So Merrick's at the judgment seat of Christ. And the Lord's going to say, Merrick Grimes. He's going to report. He's going to say, yes, sir. He's going to come stand down in front of him. Uh, Give an account, son, of your life unto me. So he's going to start giving account. Of the things God wanted him to do with his life. Guess what else he's going to do after he gets done? Daryl Baker. Yes, sir. You were his pastor. Come stand here next to this boy. Give me account. What was he like? What was he like for you to pastor? Quoting the Bible to you. I'm going to teach on it. I can see some of the cows looking at the new gate. Look, this is this is New Testament. It says me as a leader will have to give an account. 
I'll give an account. So what was he like? He was a, he was a dream to pastor, Lord. Uh, he was submitted. He worked hard. He, always, he was always bugging me for something to do in the church. Want to know what he could do? I'm going to reward you, son, because you cared enough about my kingdom and submitting to my leadership that now I will give you a reward for what you've done. You sit down. What about people that have gone from pastor to pastor to pastor to pastor? Well, they're all going to get called up. There's people left my church. I'm going to stand. They're going to, this is going to happen, folks. When they're called up, I'm going to be called up. What were they like to pastor? I'll use no names. I'm going to go way back. I don't even think about it. What were they like to pastor? Horrible. Rebellious. Wouldn't submit. Constantly bucking against leadership. Would not receive the word of God. Would not live by the word of God. Sit down, Daryl. Is this true? Well, you obviously ain't going to lie. But what do you want me to do, lie? Oh, they're just sweet, wonderful, loving Christian. There ain't no way I'm going to lie. You listen? No leader is. Ladies and gentlemen, I will stand to give an account. And you know what my, what, you know what my Lord and Savior is going to do? He's going to call up two pastors. Jeff Copenhaver, Mark Barclay. Stand up here. Jeff Copenhaver, while that man was under your leadership, what was he like? Amen. Then he became a pastor. Mark Barclay, you became his pastor. What was he like? So he's going to give, they're going to give an account. Was I submissive? Did I obey? I'm going to stand a stricter judgment than you. I'm going to stand a judgment for every single word I'm speaking right now from the pulpit. Was it biblical? Was it right? Was it based on Scripture? And this is why you don't want to draw away from church leadership and get out from under where God has called you to be as a shepherd, as a, as a believer under a shepherd, because you're going to not only give an account, that shepherd's going to give an account. Imagine the ones the Lord's going to say, so when they left your care, Daryl, they walked off and never went back under leadership. Or they just went from church to church. Or they never became submitted again. Or vice versa. Maybe they never were called to me and then they went to somebody else. But then they were obviously rebellious there and didn't submit. We're all going to have to give an account of our personal walk with God. And the book of Hebrews chapter 10 says, I will give an account for every individual under my care that was called to me as a shepherd. Don't get drawn away from leadership. And make it easy for them to pastor you. Because if you do, it'll be profitable for you. How do I make it easy for you to pastor me? Obey the teaching. Just obey the word. If you do what the word says, I ain't going to have no problem with you. That don't mean you never miss it, never blow it. I mean, we talked about that last Sunday night. What do I do when I blow it? How many know I've blown it? Since I've been a pastor. Any of you blown it? Yeah. It's not saying you don't blow it. That's not the point. I mean, I'll guarantee you, I want to be a joy for my pastor to pastor. And all I do is I keep gleaning from him and applying what I'm supposed to do as a leader. C3, you also don't want to be drawn away from what? Your congregation, your church family. Why? They're a strength to you. They're a strength to you. You are a strength to one another. Where one could put a thousand a flight, two can put ten thousand. You don't want the devil to create division. Now listen, this don't mean you're going to be best buddies with everybody in this church. God didn't make you all the same. Didn't cause you all to be best buddies. But I'll tell you what, you're still all brothers and sisters in the Lord. And you don't want to pull back from one another. And when people start pulling back from the congregation, I can tell you something. They've already pulled back from leadership. Fact, I can prove it. You listening? When they start pulling apart from the congregation, make a note. They've already pulled away from leadership. Because people submitted to leadership stay connected with their congregation. Amen. They're walking in love. 
They're walking in peace. They're walking in submission. Amen. What's the devil going to try to do? Draw you away from your congregation? Uh, C4, guess what else? He's going to try to draw you away from what? Spiritual living. Living a spiritual life. He's going to work at it. Don't think he won't. I didn't say he'll do it. I said don't think he won't tempt you. He's going to tempt you in all these areas. Every one of us are going to be tempted in these areas, including me. 2D, we're drawn away by what again? So what in the world is it that he's using to draw us away from these things? Our own lust, our own desires, things that our flesh wants that God says isn't good for you. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you right now, if you think going and filling up on all kinds of, of, a, of a, you know, entertainment filled with foul language and all that stuff is good for you, the Bible says that the bunch of heart, the mouth speaks. And death and life's in the power of the tongue. And you think that's good for you? But see, the devil's enticing you with those stuff. How that stuff, how? Through your own fleshly carnal nature. The old fallen Adamic nature. That's not good. So we got to do what? Make sure we're not drawn away by our own lust. 2D1. Uh, 2D1. You must get a grip on your own lust. You listen? Are you listening? You got to get a grip on your own lust and keep your flesh under subjection. Paul said it. I die daily. I die daily to this old fleshly nature. D2, fasting and making no provision for the flesh. Two things there. Fasting and making no provision for the flesh. Recently talked about that in another series. It'll help you to do what? It'll help you keep your lust under control. Under control. Any good amens tonight? Second Peter. Moving forward. Second Peter. Just go over here to Second Peter for a minute. Chapter 2, 2 Peter chapter. These things are so important the day you live. I'm going to tell you why. You are in the last hours of church history. And Satan is, on, is onslaught, his onslaught is like never before because guess what Satan knows? You know what Satan knows? Let me, let me wake you up tonight. You know what Satan knows? Let me tell you something Satan knows. He knows there's a rapture coming. Do you know that? He knows the scriptures. He quoted them to, to Jesus. He knows there's a rapture coming. He knows there's going to be people taken out of his grasp. Think about it. That he can't get at anymore. You listening? See, he's got sinners under his control. He don't care about them. He cares about the believer that's not. Are the sinners his enemy? Oh, no. He's under their grasp. Uh, excuse me. They're, they're, they're under his grasp. But guess what's not? The believer's not. Guess who he's still trying to go after? The believer. And he knows the rapture's going to occur. Guess what he don't want? He don't want you raptured off the planet. Because he ain't, he's, again, he is a consistent little cuss. He don't quit. He keeps going after, going after, going after. You got to understand this. The devil knows the rapture's coming. So guess what he knows? He knows his time is short, the Bible says. Bible says he knows his time is very short and therefore you should know your time left on the planet is short. What if he don't come in my lifetime? Your time on the planet is still short. Come on. If you lived out a hundred years compared to eternity, Bible says it's that quick. That just right there. That's how quick your life is on earth. How critical should you and I be making sure we're walking out what we should walk out? Number three. Number three, vain, which is a word for empty, uh, vain or empty and corrupted people. Because Satan, we've talked about it many times, is going to use what? People. 
vain or empty and corrupted people will try what? They're going to try desperately. Listen, they're going to try desperately to draw you away. Are they the problem? No, the devil that's using them is. I said the devil that's using them is. They're under his grasp already. He's using them to try to pull you away with that person. Verse 18, 2 Peter 2, 18, you there? Notice, for when they speak great swelling words of, underline it or circle it, emptiness. The King James says uh, vain, vain words. But vain means empty. There's nothing, there's nothing of substance to the words. They sound great. Read it again. They speak with great swelling, great swelling. Whoa, wow, this really sounds like I'm missing out. I'm in church and I could be doing this. I, I'm, I'm walking with God, serving God, going to my church, helping on Saturday to give food out. And I could be going and doing this. Whoa, I could be doing that. See, great swelling words that really have what within the context of them? Emptiness. They're not going to fill you, in other words. Those things are not going to satisfy you. They're not going to fill what obviously only God can fill in your life. So these people try to get you to go after stuff that's never going to fulfill you when God is the only one that ever will. You listening tonight? They will speak these great swelling words of emptiness. Notice this, underline it. They allure. They allure. Another word for draw. They allure through the lusts of the flesh. Just like James said. But this is people. They allure through the lusts of the flesh. Notice this, through lewdness. The ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. So we're talking about believers that are living right. See, this is why Satan's never going to give up. They're living right. They're not living in error. They're doing what they're supposed to do. Guess what the devil's going to do? He's going to try to constantly with people to lure you away. Through what? What's he going to try to lure you? What are these people used by Satan going to try to lure you away with? What are they going to try to lure you away with? Your own desires, your own lusts, your own lusts, your own lustful fleshly desires. They're not coming up with their own. They're using actually what they have that are similar to yours to try to draw you away. Well, what are your own lustful desires? Everybody shout a good amen for Joshua tonight. Shout a good amen. Amen. Notice, again, he said, clearly they allure you through the lusts of the flesh. Of your own fleshy desires. Through lewdness, the ones who have already escaped, those who live in error. So in other words, they're living right. If you're living right, say, praise God. God. Well, guess what? You are being tempted. You are being, you're you're being trying, by the context of other people, trying to be lured away through your own fleshy desires. Get out, what are you doing over there? Bless God. What are you doing all good? Serving God, doing these things. 19, notice, while they promise liberty... Oh, man, you're in bondage under that Pastor Baker telling you to stay in church and do all this kind of stuff. Man, you need to get like me and be liberated. I'm a believer. I love God. Look how much fun I'm having. Woo! Never had so much fun in my life. You don't even go to church. Don't need to. I'm born again. Praise God. Live any way I want. Do whatever I want. Don't you know you're saved by grace? Hallelujah. You're just missing out on all the fun of life. See, that is exactly this kind of person. He's talking about right here. Are you listening? They promise liberty. But they themselves, not even realizing it, folks, are slaves of corruption. Can you put a little note next to that right there on verse 19? Let me tell you who they are. Ready? 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 Anybody got a guess? Laodiceans. Lukewarm. 
They're lukewarm believers. What did Jesus say about lukewarm believers? I'm rich. Meaning rich. I'm filled to the full. I got everything I need. I don't have need of nothing. That's what they said. What did Jesus say about them? You're wretched, poor, and miserable, and you don't even realize it. See, these people don't realize it. They wouldn't be tempting you if they were acting wretched, miserable, and poor. Boy, don't you want to live like me, wretched, miserable, and poor? No, they think they're living it up. Got a word for you, folks. These people don't get hot for God, and the rapture comes. They're going to be spewed out. They're not going to be happy folks then. The end result will not be liberty. They're going to face a hell on earth they've never even dreamed of. You know, people think you're exaggerating the stuff when you preach like that, Pastor. Uh, study the Bible for yourself and prove it out. If you don't believe it, study everything on the rapture, who goes, who stays, and what happens to the ones left behind. Don't believe what I tell you. Go study it for yourself. It's black and white in the Bible. Say, I'm not going to be here. When, come on, when the tribulation starts. But these people are promising liberty, man. Notice verse 19 again. They themselves don't even realize they're slaves of rut. What are they slaves of? Corruption. Corruption, depravity, depraved living, wrong living. For by whom a person is overcome by him, also he is brought into bondage. Meaning what? If they win you over, you're not going to be in liberty like they said. You're going to be in bondage just like them and not even know it. Satan's a deceiver. I said Satan's a deceiver. There's a difference between seduction and deception. He's also a seducer. If you're seduced, do you know it? I said if you're seduced, do you know it? Yes, you do. You've given in to what you know is not right. But if you're deceived, do you know it? These people are deceived. Because the Laodiceans thought they had it all, and they didn't. That's deception. See, that's the power of deception. You don't even realize it. And so the people that give in to these lies, guess what happens? They become deceived. And where do they wind up? Last part of verse 19, into the same bondage as to those who allured them and drew them out by their own fleshly lust, lustful desires. 20, for if they, notice this, for if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, those who are living right, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, listen to that. How did they escape? Through knowing Jesus. Knowing Jesus, walking after him. Notice, now they again are entangled. They are again entangled in them. The bondages of the world and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. Child of God, you don't want that to be you. I said you don't want that to be you. That's a New Testament verse talking to New Testament people who were not walking in error, warning them not to allow the devil who uses these people to draw you into the same bondage they're in. They don't even realize it and cause you to get in error. Because he says the latter end of your life would not be bad, would, not, would be worse, excuse me, than where you were before. Obviously. Obviously. So number three, this is vain or empty people. People who claim stuff, again, that they say you're going to be happier, life's going to be better, you're going to enjoy life more, you won't have to be in church so much, you won't have to be giving all your money to God, which you're not giving all your money to God. You know, that's, that's what they'd say, you know. How many are giving all your money to God? Raise your hand. Yeah, see, none of us are giving all our money to God. God never asked for all your money. But the point is, that's how they'll say it. Well, you're giving all your money to God, all your time, all your effort. Come on, man. You're just hanging around all them Jesus freaks. Yeah, I'd be one of them. 
<clears throat> well, that ain't no fun. Oh, you haven't learned fun yet till you start living like Jesus and raise the dead, cast out demons, lay hands on the sick and see them recover and lead people to Jesus. Now, if you're not doing that, you're not following Jesus yet. But you should be. 3A, notice this. They will speak what? Great swelling words of emptiness. They sound good, but they're empty words. Here's some phrases. Uh, uh, A1, you're great. You're important. Come over here. Follow us. We'll receive you the way you are. B, they allure through what? Lust of the flesh. They allure through what? Lust of the flesh. We'll give you a position. We'll promote you in the ministry. We'll give you, give you, give you, whatever. See, some of them actually go to different churches that are lukewarm churches. That have lukewarm pastors. Who won't preach the truth. Who want to tickle people's itching ears. Do we have scripture for that in the New Testament? Yes. And so some of them, well, you need to come to my church, man, because praise God, we don't go as much as you do. We might go occasionally on a Sunday morning, but it's no big deal. We might, you know, we don't have to give anything. I go many times, I don't give nothing. Praise God, I'm not under bondage to any of that stuff. See, they're going to tell you that you're going to get liberated from all the things the Bible tells you to do. See, those who were and are clean escaped from those who lived in error. Those who were and are clean escaped from those who lived in error. That's what you want to do. If you are clean, you want to do what? Escape from those who are living in error. Don't get caught back up into the same kind of bondages. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. All right, move quickly. Praise God. Don got me preaching too much on that one. It was good though, wasn't it? 1 Corinthians 10. I just don't think a lot of Christians understand this stuff goes on day in and day out. It's what the enemy's trying to do to take advantage of our life. Number four, never take for granted. Say never. Never take for granted that you are free from dealing with the common things. Common things. What? Common things. Watch this. Everyday, ordinary temptations that come to us that we don't even realize are just common. And for some reason, we don't even see them, see them as temptations anymore, which is dangerous. 1 Corinthians 10, 6. Now these things became our examples. And it's referring to the Old Testament and all that happened to those under the rule of Egypt and how they got free, but how they would not give up Egypt. Remember that? And they missed out on the, on the actual uh, liberation God had for them in the promised land. These things became our examples. Say my example. They became our examples to the intent that we should what? Not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Seven, and do not become idolaters, as were some of them. Can you be an idolater today? Yeah, make a God to fit you. My God doesn't make me go to church, that you're an idolatry. My, by the way, my God doesn't make me go, I get to go. My God doesn't make me do anything. God doesn't make you do anything. But see, that's one of the ways the devil uses them to lie to you. My God doesn't make me go to church. You should turn to them and say, my God doesn't make me go to church either. I go because I want to go. I go because I love my God. My God doesn't make me give. My God doesn't. He don't come pick up my wallet, kick money out. He don't get my checkbook, start writing the checks for me. He don't make me write them out either. I give because I want to give to my God. You listening? Seven, don't become idolaters as were some of them as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Verse 8, nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. It's sad to hear how many Christians today have sex outside of marriage 
as well as commit adultery, think nothing of it, and yet it's a sin in the eyes of God, and it's hurting your life. Nine, nor let us tempt Christ as some of them were tempted, notice, and were destroyed by serpents. Tempting Christ is just simply doing things Jesus wouldn't do. Ten, nor complain. Uh-oh. See, some of you said, oh, I ain't done none of those other ones. Nor complain as some of them also complain. And they were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, complain here means what? Listen, this is talking about complaining against God. What did they do? They complained against God. Don't complain against God. Because they were blaming God for all their problems. And God wasn't the problem. He was the deliverer. Verse 11. Notice this. Now, all these things happened to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition, for our benefit. Upon whom the ends of the ages have Calm. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. You should have that that verse highlighted, circled, underlined. Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Well, I'm not doing no those things. Well, I hope you're not. But you should constantly be examining your life to say, where am I being tempted? Because I know I am. See, taking heed lest you fall means you don't say, well, I'm not being tempted by any of these things. You just lied. Because he's tempting everybody with these things. So we got to say, where am I being tempted? Where am I being tempted? I'm going to watch. I'm going to keep watching out. Where is Satan trying to tempt me in these things to draw me away? I'm not going to give in to him. I'm not going to fall. Notice 13. No temptation is overtaking you except is common to man. So again, that's the phrase common, meaning what? It's nothing unusual. Nothing anybody else hasn't gone through. But God is faithful. Say he's faithful. Come on, say he's faithful. Out loud, please. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. That doesn't mean you don't give in to the temptation. But he won't even allow you to be tempted beyond stuff you could walk away from. Doesn't mean you will. But he'll put a limit on that temptation to where you, of something you couldn't overcome, according to the Bible. Whatever you're tempted with, you could overcome. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But notice what the temptation or as that, tem- that temptation comes, guess what he'll do? He'll make a way of escape. Doesn't mean you take it, but he'll make a way, make a way. that you'll be able to what? You'll be able to bear it. Yeah. Number four in your notes. Never take for granted that you are free again from dealing with common things. 4A, one of the major problems among some is that they think they are above dealing with common things, common temptations. But yet we are. Every day, people get mad at me when I talk about sex outside of marriage, when I talk about drinking, when I talk about drugs, when I talk about wrong things that you're listening to, entertainment, movies, etc. Well, they can get mad all they want. But see, those are common things that Satan's trying to do to tempt you to draw you away from what God has for your life. 4B, you are only tempted in that which is common, not unusual to man. 4C, if any man thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. That don't mean you don't have confidence to overcome it. That just means you don't think you're being tempted anymore. Wrong. You're still being tempted. Wake up to it. For D, God sovereignly does not permit you to be tempted above that which you can handle. Pretty awesome. And he does not do it. He doesn't lie. D1, whether or not you handle it is totally up to you as well as how you handle it. But God puts a ceiling on the pressure applied. For E, with every temptation, guess what God has done? He's made a way of escape so that you can bear it. 
2 Timothy in closing tonight. We have seen these verses again as well in some earlier parts of this series, but let's look at a couple different things for emphasis to, to define. We have not defined here some of the key things in these couple of verses, so we're going to tonight. Are we helping you at all tonight? Number five, purpose now to be a clean, purged vessel of honor. Purpose, purpose, purpose. I'm going to be a clean vessel of honor. So to do that, what what do I got to do to be a clean vessel of honor, Pastor? No, you're being tempted. Pay attention. Realize, don't think you are not being tempted because everybody is. Recognize where you're being tempted to be drawn away. What is the purpose for the temptation? Help me out. Be drawn away. He's trying to draw you away from the things of God. Wake up to that. And just realize that's what those temptations are all about. Because your flesh will want to give in to them. But you've got to wake up to reality. All that's going to do is draw me further away from my God. Peace, joy, love. Come on, goodness, blessing. Blessed is he who doesn't give in to the temptation. I want to be blessed. I'm not giving in to the temptation. Come on. God, God cannot bless Anybody who gives in to temptation to sin, because if he did, he would violate his own word in what he says you and I are to walk out to receive what he has for our life. You're not earning anything. You are partaking of what is your rightful inheritance by faith. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 20, you with me? But in a great house, say great house. Even God's in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone, underline it, cleanses himself from the latter, that which is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. 22, flee also what? Youthful lusts. But pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. What am I supposed to pursue? What am I supposed to pursue? Righteousness. What's righteousness? What's righteousness? What's righteousness? Doing what's right in the sight of God. Is listening to a bunch of cussing, cussing and foul language from all kinds of nasty stuff, right? No. I'm supposed to pursue what? Faith. What's faith? Obey God. Moses was told to actually go, get the children of Israel, bring them out of Egypt. He obeyed God. Noah was told to build an ark. He obeyed God. Faith is obeying God. Love, peace with those who what? Call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So that's what we're supposed to pursue, folks. On your notes, number five, you got a purpose now to be what? A clean purge vessel of honor. So let's go through some definitions here. 5A, even in God's house, there are two kinds of vessels because... Really, obviously, as new people come in, they're having to learn to cleanse themselves. If we have, we need to continue to keep ourselves cleansed. So, 5B, there are what are known as vessels of dishonor. What does that refer to? Ready? This is the vessels of dishonor. Those who are of the carnal nature. They're ruled by the old fleshly carnal nature. Who are constantly trying to put, on, uh, put new wine into old wineskins. I'm going to know you can't do that. They're trying to put new wine into old wineskins. They can't be stretched, so they're constantly breaking. They end up a disappointment to Christ and shame to his body because they're not willing to what? Cleanse themselves from things that's dishonoring God. So they're trying to continue to put a way of, of the old lifestyle. Now, we're not talking about people that are, that are baby Christians working on getting free. We're talking about people that have been walking with God who choose not to change their lifestyle 
So they continue to try to take an old sinful lifestyle and put it in a brand new being. New wineskin. You're, you're a new being. You're a new creation. Are you listening? And the reason you don't become spiritual is you, you're not going to break your spirit, man, but it just keeps breaking loose. It doesn't take hold. C, vessels of honor, those who are of the spiritual nature, who constantly, say constantly, underline it, constantly purge themselves. That's what we got to do all the time. They constantly purge themselves so they're flexible and stretchable to receive the new wine without cracking or bursting. The new wine is the new life God has for you, greater anointing, greater strength, greater help in your life. D, you must learn to purge yourself from the old nature, ways, attitudes, emotions, friends, and habits so that you can handle the responsibilities of the promotions of God. God's coming back for a glorious church. A glorious church is a church that's overflowing with the presence of God. You are not a vessel that's overflowing with the presence of God if you're still a vessel of dishonor because you're not prepared and useful for the master. He just said it. A vessel of honor is what? A vessel of honor is sanctified, verse 21, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. They're a glorious vessel. That's what he's coming back for. That's what you and I are in Jesus' name. Does that mean we've perfected our life? No. How many remember again, last Sunday night, we talked about what you do when you blow it. But we're talking about not choosing to live a life in which we don't purge ourselves from things we shouldn't. Keep purging your life and you're doing what you should. Can I get a better amen? We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.